Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, it cares Levert. It's cold. Levert. Back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday. Shot clock down to six. Finds one. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows podcast. Uh, technically, this is an episode of Pacers After Dark, but uh, it's happening during the daytime. Uh, after the Pacers uh, lost matinee matchup with the Utah Jazz just before the Super Bowl. Um, Tom, how are you doing before we dive into the game? Doing fine. It is nice and sunny here. I guess we could do Pacers after frost. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, it's still yeah, frosted outside, <laughs> so I guess it, we, uh, we'll yeah. have to wait until May. I'm for that at 13 degrees right now. Yeah, that sounds about right trip. for me, too. So, uh, <laughs> we're living, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that we can look at with this. I, 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 we were talking about this for a minute before we got on. I have, uh, and I, you know, I tweeted this too. I feel more positive about how this game went than, um, you know, barring the Grizzlies game, which was just a pretty much a blowout um, in a positive way. Uh, I, I felt like this was the best game that we could take something from against a really meaningful opponent um, in the last probably week and a half. Um, I thought, you know, we, we can start there and then, and then dive in deeper. But what were your thoughts initially just on the game? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, – Utah's definitely a, a strong team at both ends of the floor. I mean, they, they make you earn your stops. They make you earn your buckets. Um, and they get that depth and have obviously been playing incredible and closing really well. Um, so mm. they're riding that wave of confidence. Um, and even with my, out Mike Conley, they had – you know, uh, Donovan Mitchell was was the maestro um, in this one, and just had a little too much. But for the Pacers, um, you know, they had a couple times to get knocked out, a couple chances they 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 didn't. They they hung in, kept battling back, and their defense was, um, you know, I feel a lot better, especially chasing around on the perimeter, a lot more active. So, um, yeah, there there was some things to take away from them. You know, coming into this stretch. When you blow a game, you know, like the one in Philly against Philly that they had, and, and those things, this is when they come back to bite you. When you, when you, you know, you, you don't have house money to play with when you're playing uh, a good team like Utah, and so uh, so now they're they've slipped back to 500 on the year, but that doesn't mean that they're not you know holding holding you know where they need to be and, and just trying to get to a point when they can get healthy. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I mean, uh, number one. The, the team now drops the four and seven in the last 11 games. Um, but again, like we mentioned, this is, I, I think this was good. The the defense has been just absolutely dreadful since that Clippers game. Um, it really have, has, has struggled to find its way. Uh, and while the offensive rebounding was still a problem tonight, this is the best the defense has looked, um, you know, pretty close to all year. Uh, I, I felt like they, they were making rotations much better. They just seemed way more unified in what they were doing way way um, more connected i agree yeah yeah exactly like the, you there weren't a lot of uh miscommunications on help it felt like um like you know i was talking to dan clayton of salt city hoop yesterday for the preview and um part of the way that they they're able to just dissect teams is they force four or five closeouts before the a possession will even die down because um, they're able to move the ball so well and there were many times where the Pacers were able to make those closeouts without um giving up a driving lane or an easy look at the rim, which I, I thought that was huge. 
um, the way that they were yeah. able to play. So I'm, I'm, I want to dive back into that game probably later tonight or tomorrow because I don't really care about the Super Bowl anyway, so I'd rather watch the game back. Um, but I actually probably should take some time off. But uh, my point is <laughs> I really want to look and in, in, in dive into the defense more because it, it didn't just feel like some fluke and that the Jazz were missing shots. I thought both teams played really well defensively, um, and that was what led to the offensive outputs being what they were. Um, overall, um, well, okay, let's talk about Goga right now. I thought Goga was a really bright spot tonight. Uh, offensively, he wasn't awesome. He actually had a really nice finish, though. He had a, that dunk, and then he had the one offhand finish um, right over Gobert. Or no, it was over Favors, what I'm talking about. Um, but he also just – his defense continues to grow, you know, game to game. Like, mm -hmm. uh, tonight, I mean, his rim protection was, like, a legitimate thing. Like, the, they were, he was altering shots without even blocking them. Um, his verticality has really just improved so much. Um, you, you you could make an argument for that one that, that ended up being a, a call that it could have been a block. Um, mm -hmm. I understand why it wasn't. I know, I know a lot of people were up in arms and that. I thought, I mean, he had his off arm on him, so I, I get why it was a call. Um, but it, you know, it's a little ticky tack. But overall, I just I've I continue to be really impressed with Goga. And now that this has happened, uh, I mean, obviously last game it required foul trouble for him to get in. Goga got in tonight without any foul trouble and was actually part of a bench unit that played pretty well together. He ended up being a positive overall and plus minus tonight, um, as in most of, most of the bench guys. So uh, I don't know. I just was really pleased with that. And and to see that he's starting to, to it seems like, gain Nate Bjorken's trust. Yeah, and, and you know, and again, you look at the minutes distribution and that really makes a, a big impact, I think, um, if he can be trusted to go in there. And obviously... This is a matchup where Bjorkman didn't want to, um, you know, go without a big in there um, between Favors and, and uh, Gobert in there all the time. But you're right, especially, you know, I was real impressed with that second quarter stretch. Mm -hmm. I think it was about seven minutes, had four points, a couple blocks, a couple rebounds. But his presence and his, you know, along with everybody, I mean, the, the way they were engaged defensively, um, but he was a part of it and he was, he was a cog in that. And and seemed you know confident in what he was doing and and really stepped up um, against you know a, a tough matchup. So uh, that was that was great to see. I mean, I feel like we pulled these silver linings from a loss, but um, it, it's true. It, it was it was really good to see and something that that he can you know he can build on and hopefully continue to to grow. Um, um, and not have too many setbacks um, when we're wondering what, what he's thinking out there. You know, I mean, this is um, got to give him some confidence as well um, as Nate Bjorken getting confidence in him to get him in there and, and be allowed to um, go for a stretch like that. You know, a seven-minute stretch. Um, you, you know, earlier in the year, it was like, what, what four maybe? Um, and so, you know, that, that second quarter I thought was, uh, was big and, and obviously it earned him more time later in the game. Yeah, definitely. And I uh, personally, I'm not worried at all about his three-pointer. He just looks so much more comfortable taking them now. Um, he's not mm -hmm. really – I mean, he's hesitating a little bit. But in looking at his four shots, I again, he missed all four of them. But I would have him take those again, frankly. Um, it's the same thing as we've talked about with Miles and Domas. If you're going to be out there and be open, you just have to take it because otherwise they're not going to guard you. So take it. Um, so I was pleased with that as well. He, he continues to do it without – you know, checking out of them. So that was nice. Um, 
Also, Aaron Holiday, he did not have finished with like a, a crazy good stat line or anything, but uh, it feels like he and Goga are developing a little bit of chemistry. Uh, he had both of his assists were to Goga tonight. Um, and or t- tonight, what am I talking about today? Uh, and they were like, I don't know, he was just he was creating for others, he, he wasn't really trying to hunt his own shot. And I felt like that was a, a big benefit for the bench unit, even though he only finished with four shots, but um, played pretty solid defense tonight. And overall, I just thought it was a, uh, he was solid on the floor. He actually had the best plus minus on the team's plus 12 tonight in 15 minutes. Yeah. He's definitely more comfortable defensively. And I mean, that's been his killer um, is uh, not necessarily just the, his individual defensive play, but just being part of that team defensive um, scheme. Mm-hmm. and having breakdowns, and he he really looked up. I know after the game, McDermott mentioned that they had a kind of a browbeating session about the defense, and, um, you know, he said it wasn't fun watching yourself get beat or get beat for offensive rebounds and all that, and um, whatever they were whatever they were going through uh, must have hit a, struck a chord with, with everybody because, um, you know, they it didn't seem to matter which units were on the floor. They were pretty well engaged um, defensively, which um, definitely a plus. Yeah, 100%. And uh, the, one of the other positives I really want to hit on too, um, just looking at, uh, I mean, a quick shout out to Justin Holiday. I thought he played tremendous defense on Donovan Mitchell, considering how hard of a task that is. Uh, I mean, Mitchell finished 9 of 25 from the field. I still would go out and say, other than Gobert, he was the best player on the court tonight. Um, I mean, oh, yeah, I, yeah the, I, you can I, say whatever you want about finishing, you know, 40 percent from the field, true shooting. But um, I mean, he was killer with his passing. Uh, he was getting the points yeah. that I mean, the, the buckets that he was getting were, were ones that they needed and, and, and were totally killer when he got them. So I can't fault that at all. Um, but I wanted to talk for a second about I am drawing a blank. Oh, yes, just minutes overall. I, I I don't know if you noticed this. Domas played 34 minutes tonight. Uh, Malcolm played 36, so uh, still a little bit high. But, uh, I mean, it shook out playing a really completely full nine-man rotation. I mean, Aaron played 15 and a half. Goga played 15, uh, which was the lowest on the team. Uh, Doug played 32. TJ McConnell played almost 20 minutes. Um I, I don't know. I was really pleased with how the rotations and lineups kind of shifted out tonight. I think we could have maybe seen a little bit of solo miles at center. It feels like um, some of Goga's minutes are coming at the expense of miles, getting those solo center minutes. And he did, uh, I think he had like a small stretch where he got to play solo center, but I'd like to see that happen a little bit more. Um, so maybe you see like a couple, well, it's hard to justify less minutes for Domas. Definitely you could tonight, but um, yeah, <laughs> I think that's uh, that's one of the other things that I was looking at. But I, I overall, I mean, I think the way that that's starting to round out was positive. Yeah, that that's kind of what you were, you know, were hoping for in the in the long run. And I, oh, yeah. I feel like the last few games, you know, I mean, they've been playing a lot of games. The schedule's busy, and um, particularly with Brodman, I think um, there's been a longer stretch there in the middle of the game um, where he's been been down a little bit, um, but. I know that that Benji, you know, had a pretty good run there. Um, and they got those guys in, what, about the seven-minute mark. I thought they might go a little longer. But mm-hmm. regardless, you know, it all, it all, I think you're right, it all worked out. And everybody, I think, was, you know, minutes were an issue tonight for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I want to take a quick break before we come back and start talking on some of the other things that we, we maybe improvements we could be seeing. Um, so we will be right back. All right. Welcome back, Patriots fans. So, Tom, 
Uh, speaking on you, let's talk about Malcolm and Domas real quick. Um, or not real quick. It's probably mm-hmm. going to be a little bit of an extended thing. They combined <laughs> to go 14 of 39 from the field, um, combined two of nine from three, and they got to the foul line seven times combined. Um, I don't want to berate either guy. I think they had really tough assignments tonight. But I, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, Malcolm's shooting. Um, they were going under him on – it felt like every screen uh, yep. in, in pick and roll. And he's he's not stopping and popping those uh, those off-dribble threes that he'd been doing patently to start off the year. Why do you think that is? Uh, because that has been a little bit of an anomaly to me because he was shooting – off the dribble threes really well this year. And if I'm, I'm going to look up the numbers right now while we're talking, but last I checked uh, when I talked, I think this time last week, he was still shooting like 39% off the dribble from three, which is fantastic. Yeah. I, I that's another thing that you mentioned. I wanted to go back and look at some things. I, I there's a few possessions I want to see um, with him because in, you know, in person live and it, I felt like, mm-hmm. Oh, he didn't pull the trigger there. I was like, you know, just anticipating shot going up and then yeah he had more runners and and trying to do things in the lane and um you know especially against utah that's that's not the way you want to go um but yeah the the inefficient offense from your two best offensive players um you know kind of nullified all that great defense you know we're talking about how how um uh donovan mitchell you know he, he had a big game but you know he he had to take a lot of shots and had to work for it uh, but but the Pacers weren't able to take advantage of that, um, and a lot of those a lot of those offensive possessions, key offensive possessions, kind of got bogged down with with uh, Brogdon and Sabonis in particular in the paint, um, and it was it was just a struggle. So yeah, I'd like to see that as well. Just as far as um, like I said, it just felt like he was passing up opportunities where he could have you know side side dribbled or stepped into that three like he had been doing you know at will it seems like earlier in the season yeah exactly I I felt really similarly with that and um, I I think this is a really great point to change into and this is not to speak down on Domas at all I mean I said this yesterday uh, again like I mentioned talking to Dan I mean Rudy Gobert was the best best big and also the best player in this game Uh, that's pretty unequivocal Um, and Nate Bjorkman stated at the end of the game that he was uh, he was happy with the looks uh, that Domas took going right at Gobert. And I fundamentally just disagreed with that. Um, you know, I, not to say that I'm smarter than him, but I mean, we've seen this now for a couple of games where they they clear out for Domas to have him go one-on-one with a really strong post defender. And it just doesn't work. It's not efficient enough. And he's not, it's not that he's a bad post-up player, but what what really makes things sing is when he's able to to cause the defense to collapse and then kick out for open shots. Um, and that's not at all what was happening. Like they were putting him on, on an island and they said, okay, try and beat Rudy Gobert in the post. And guess what? It didn't happen. Um, and again, that's not to discredit Domas or what he was doing, but I mean, you look at his shot chart tonight and it was, uh, it's, it's, it's a little painful. You went four of eight at the rim and one of six in, in the paint. Well, if you include just the entire paint, he went five of 14, uh, not great considering almost all those are against, Rudy Gobert, I think the majority of his baskets in the paint came against Derek Favors. Uh, I can think of at least three off the top of my head right now. So you're automatically, you know, cutting down a lot going up against Rudy Gobert. Um, why do you think things were were sticking so much or have been sticking so much? Because that's that's what I keep falling back on. I mean, 39 shots for Malcolm and Domas is just a little too much. Um, 
too much of a burden, in my opinion. I, there are so many guys who, who could have gotten opportunities. Like Jeremy Lamb has been insanely good. And again, I, I want to go back and, and watch through and see some of this stuff. Because, uh, I mean, Jeremy took six shots tonight. Uh, and part of it was he wasn't getting separation a lot, but he's not normally getting separation. So I, I it, especially when you have a guy who can really attack the middle of the floor in, and not need to go at the rim in Jeremy, uh, I would have liked to see him get more opportunities. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, I mean, he started out really well, and yeah. I was thinking, oh, he's going to be X Factor here. Nice. You know, he he, he came to play, um, and then you're right, there, there really wasn't much else throughout the rest of the game. But, um, <laughs> excuse me. But the thing with Domas, you know, it, it's kind of funny to say, you know, rhythm and Domas, you know, I don't mm-hmm. think of him as a uh, disco dancer by any means. But, um, <laughs> but when, when he, you know, takes the bump, the bump, the bump, and can't get clear and still forces a shot. I mean, it's almost always a miss on some yep. on some level. And, and at best, he gets the rebound and puts it back in. But that's, that wasn't happening against Gravera. And, and um, I can think of one shot in particular in the second half where he got the ball in paint, took a little hit, rolled to his left, just natural flow, easy, put the bucket in. That was rhythm. You know, for him, um, and the rest of the shots you're talking about, it was all like, you know, pump, 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 and no one's jumping, and and then it's a force, and not only does it turn into a, you know, a bad shot, but you're right, it just bogs everything down, and the ball's not moving, and um, it it's stuck, and and it does seem like he's just been shooting at a lower, you know. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, is he just shooting at a lower percentage so it's sticking out more? Was he making more of those earlier in the year? And it was just like, this is great. This is Domas. He's taking a guy and stuffing him in the hoop with the ball. Um, but I don't feel like that was the case either. I feel like it was there was a little more flow to everything. When, yeah, when it really felt like the offense going. in general just had a lot more motion to it. Um, mm-hmm. And we've seen, a, I mean, obviously over the last week. So tonight – I mean, not tonight. Uh, the, the game against New Orleans was the fewest amount of shots he's taken um, over the last week and a half. He took 13. That was the least he'd taken. And, you know, throughout the, the season, he'd taken above 20 shots twice uh, through to, the, to the, Charlotte, the second Charlotte game. He'd taken 20 shots twice, and now uh, he's taken it twice over the last week. He, he's completely upped his volume. He's taking 17 field goal attempts per game. Uh, in the last five games, if you include tonight's game, I think it's right around 18 or 19. So he's been way up, but the efficiency hasn't exactly gone up with it. And uh, right. that's just been part of the problem. So, and again, I don't think it's him. I mean, it just feels like a lot of the offense, the motion just hasn't been there the way that it was earlier in the year. Yeah. And, you know, on the other side of that too, he's such a great passer that, um, you know, you think if he's, if he's kind of stoned in there and doesn't have his first option, you know, he's always going to make a good play with the ball if, you know, there's other things going around and people are getting open. So, um, you know, maybe I guess that's a double-edged sword. But right now it seems like, oh, dumped in, and it's going to be like through hell or high water. Thomas <laughs> get a shot up in there. Um, and, you know, when it doesn't go in, that's just a, it's just a bad look. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, just to add something in really quick, we were talking about Malcolm and his pull-up shooting earlier. Um, so this is obviously excluded today because NBA tracking data hasn't been updated yet for that game. Uh, but through 23 games, I mean, he's hitting, he's actually shooting better on pull-ups than he is on catch and shoot, right? He's shooting almost 41% uh, 
on four pull-up threes a game uh, and 52% on, on four mid-range pull-ups a game. So I have no idea why he hasn't been taking them because it was uh, – Caitlin pointed this out too. He wasn't doing that against New Orleans either. So I want to go back and look at the coverages again for tonight. But um, a little bit confusing that that's not going. Um, what else kind of stuck out to you tonight in terms of things that could be a little bit better? The overarching thing that stood out to me um... – you know, I, I thought about it before the game and then, you know, hitting into, you know, you're playing this Utah Jazz team and really, um, they really should, is a team that should affirm what the Pacers are doing and their approach and how their team is built. Um, I, Mike Conley did not play tonight and that was the, only the seventh game that uh, one of their top nine players has missed all season long. To the Pacers, obviously, who have missed Ton of games between Warren and and Oladipo slash Levert and others, and you know, you see that um, you know if if the Pacers had that top nine team rolling, you know, and they have kind of similar components to the Jazz, and if they can play um, consistently um, at both ends of the floor, you know, that's a team that that can really make do some damage in this league. So. Um, to me, it was, you know, the, the, the pitcher should be able to take some um, something from the Jazz and knowing that, you know, that that's we're using the same formula basically. Um, last year they had injury issues and had problems. They went with the continuity model and stuck together for the most part. Um, they got favors in there and um, and now they're rolling. So hopefully at some point at the end of this year, but hopefully, hopefully. Um, the Pacers can be healthy enough to um, put together, you know, that type of rotation that can um, be a bear at both ends of the floor. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's uh, that's kind of where I'm coming from, too, on this. You know, you're looking at last year, uh, there were calls for the Jazz to blow up their team completely after struggling yeah. to, to get out. They didn't even get out of the first round. But part of that, I mean, like you mentioned, injuries. Um I think you see a lot of that with the Pacers and that's kind of the direction that Kevin Pritchard in the front office want to take. And I, I think that's, that's a real opportunity, um, but definitely need to, to iron some things out uh, in the meantime, uh, before, you know, hopefully we see Karras and TJ back this year. Um, last thing I want to hit on, what did you think about Miles's game today? I thought it was okay. I mean, I felt like he started out good. I thought, okay, he's going to be an impact player. And I know there's a lot of, talk, just talk, um, not necessarily between the team, you know, the players, but um, just talk about, you know, with the matchup with Gobert, um, and, and I'm sure he wanted to show up well um, in that in that matchup, and, you know, it kind of melted into the into the fabric a little bit, um, and maybe, maybe that goes back to, you know, the Brogdon Sabonis thing where he's not getting the touches and and that impacts his game overall um but you know i thought he was pretty good on the glass he he didn't really have to um he, he was guarding more on the perimeter i think than usual but um it was okay i don't know what do you think yeah i thought it was pretty good tonight um i again it's hard like i well, I, i'll say it again i want to go back and watch but defensively felt good but also like i mean he had didn't he have like nine and five in the first quarter it was something like that like yeah, he came I mean, out he the was gates. Off to a, a good was start fantastic. i thought yeah. this is gonna be big 
yeah. And then it just really felt like he wasn't involved in the game plan a whole ton uh, from there on out. And I thought he still made good plays defensively. He had a lot of alterations and, and didn't get blocks down the stretch. He finished with two blocks tonight. Um, but, you know, he was not able to do do that the entire game. And I think uh, I don't want to I, I don't want to catch uh, any flack for this. I'm, I'm not trying to throw out a narrative, but do you think that there's still like an, an avenue? Like it, it feels a little bit like his defensive player of the year case after these last couple games has kind of uh, taken a hit. Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. I think I think so. And, you know, the other thing I was thinking kind of jokingly during the game at times, you know, with, with the way they were going at the very early, especially, and even Rob then like the same, not pulling up and going right at, at Gobert. I was like, are they trying to, you know, throw through Gobert and show he's not that great defensively because it, you know, it had the opposite impact <laughs> if you were trying to show his value um, defensively. Uh, I, I'm sure that wasn't the case, but it's just how the game played out. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, that, that I've heard this a few times kind of nationally on, on different, you know, podcasts or different columns and things about Miles and, and his, you know, big block numbers. But, you know, they, a lot of times they go back and look at the total defensive numbers of the team and, and, you know, what kind of impact they're having, even though you can individually state how much of an impact he's having. Um, it still goes back to that team defense as well. And, and, um, and then, you know, he's going to have to – the big thing with him has always been consistency. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I feel like you're right. It seems like there's been a little wavering on that consistency of late. So um, he's got to, um, you know, remain solid and keep keep grinding away. And because and, uh, you never know what's going to happen throughout the, the course of the year. And he's going to have the numbers at the end of the year. And, and um, if he can consistently keep making an impact and the Pacers can kind of right the ship, I think that would help. You're right. I think uh, that that talk has probably faded a little bit here of late. Well, I think it's tough too because you look at like you're talking about. I mean, he had two blocks and a steal tonight. Still, um, he's still averaging well over three blocks a game, uh, over a steal a game. I think it's just hard because the Pacers are now an an average to at time. I mean, I think after tonight, they'll uh, their defensive rating will will bump down a little bit, so they'll have a higher defensive. I mean, a better defensive rating, which will be good. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when they were in the top ten in defensive rating, I was like, okay, I could I could see it, and he'd been playing that right. well. And it's to me, it hasn't even felt like he's fallen off defensively. It's just been the team has been so bad making rotations. Yeah. Like if you look just over the last two weeks, they're barely a top twenty defense. Um, which is obviously atrocious compared to what we're, we're used to seeing. Um, so I think if they're able to get back and play like they did tonight, I'm not too worried about it. But it just felt like especially um, over those last couple games and in playing some guys who are defensive player of the year candidates and obviously tonight go bear. Um, you look at Giannis, who <laughs> that was rough. Um, and I'm not excited about that. Well, no, I am excited for the next Milwaukee matchup to see some changes and stuff. Um, and same thing with this. I, I, I think my big takeaway overall for tonight is you uh, you try a lot of things. You see some new things happen. Um, I'm just very like, how questioning would you be if uh, if 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 the the game plan late in the game is to go at Rudy Gobert one on one next time they play Utah? Yeah, I'd rather not do that. Yeah, I would rather not do that too. Even on the perimeter, I, <laughs> I I don't know how to explain this to people well enough who haven't watched Rudy Gobert, but he's just he's so good on his own. He can defend guys on the perimeter. Like even 
even Malcolm driving on him is it's not a mismatch. It's it's just like Tony East yeah. tweeted this out too, and it was something I talked about yesterday on the pod. It is not a mismatch. You can say whatever you want. There are about you know five to ten guys in the NBA who I think you can actually legitimately say have a chance to routinely score at least at league average on Rigo Barrett. The Pacers do not have one of those guys. That is not to tear down the yeah. team, but that's just you got to be a little bit more judicious in how you're attacking. So I I, I really hope that changes because they they isolated him more than double digit double digit times. It was a little frustrating to watch, but um, regardless, like we mentioned, I think there are a lot of good things we can take away from this game. Do you have any other uh, kind of final things you want to add before we get out of here? Um, no, I, I mean, just circling back, I feel like, you know, that defensive effort, if, if they can stay that tied together, um, you know, I, I feel a lot better about this Brooklyn game. Obviously, if Durant is not yeah, playing. Yeah, Durant's not playing reported, for sure. That, that obviously is huge. Um, but, I mean, they have not been the um, best defensive team, the Nets. So, um, if, if the Pacers can bring that defense, I, I feel I feel a lot better heading into that game than I did a few days ago. Yeah, I would uh, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, I'm excited for that one. We'll definitely have a, a good preview pod coming up for that. That's not till Wednesday, so we have a, a couple days off. And then uh, so we'll have a back-to-back with the Nets and then the Pistons and uh, play the Hawks on Saturday and back at it again with the full slate the next week. Uh, Tom, you enjoy your, uh, you enjoy your time at the suit with not at the Super Bowl. Gosh, I, I, I don't know how you get to Tampa in time. Um, enjoy, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the time. Oh, with the Super Bowl of Chile. Yeah. Yes. That sounds like a much better time than driving to Tampa. Um, to everyone listening, enjoy your day. Uh, thank you for listening. And of course, uh, be sure to rate and review us over on Apple podcasts. It always helps us out. We'd love your feedback. Uh, and go Pacers.